0: Well, would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're going to look at one verse at the beginning, but we're going to look at several verses as we study this passage of Scripture. I'd like to ask you a question. Now think about this for a moment. What does a package of expensive crystal and a newborn baby, and a nitroglycerin have in common? Very fragile. Very fragile. Well, I want to talk to you something today that is more delicate and more fragile than an expensive crystal, a newborn baby, and nitroglycerin and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It is your relationship that you have with Him that is a very fragile relationship. The Bible is going to share with us today as we are going to look at several items and passage of Scriptures just how fragile that relationship you have With the Holy Spirit. So with your Bibles open, I want us to look at one very particular ingredient of how it reminds us of how fragile our relationship is in verse 30. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Would you stand with me? Now notice what he says. The Apostle Paul says, Do not grieve... The Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So he tells us that there is a possibility, a great possibility, that you could grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving Him. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. So many Christians today do not understand the impact of their relationship that they have with the Holy Spirit. And I want us to talk about that this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for the privilege of opening up the Word of God and to be able to be reminded of our relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that today, that your Holy Spirit would guide us and direct us, anoint us and fill us, do all that is necessary that is to be able to fulfill your will for us here today. Father, I am dependent upon you and your Holy Spirit. Without your power and strength and ability, Nothing I could say would have any eternal value. So, Father, I look to you that you would empower us, that we might not only be speakers, but hearers and doers of the Word of God. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. I don't know if you've thought about your relationship with the Holy Spirit or not. But I want you to notice that it's a very, very delightful relationship. It is a relationship that you've come to establish and to experience at the moment of your new birth. That when Christ came into your life, He came into your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Bible reminds us that we cannot be saved without the help of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicts us. He's the one that converts us. He is the one that cleanses us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is so vital in our relationship. So it's a very delightful relationship. But it's not only a delightful relationship, it's a dynamic relationship. It reminds me as the Bible tells us that after the Holy Spirit of God has come upon you, you shall receive power to become witnesses unto men. In other words, when Christ saved you, that His Holy Spirit came into your life for the purpose of being able to fulfill God's will for your life. And therefore, He has empowered you to do that very thing. So it's a very delightful relationship. It's a very delicate relationship. It's a very dynamic relationship. But it is also, as I'm reminded of, that that relationship can be hindered from time to time. When I think about how delicate it is, that when I sin, it hinders my relationship With the Holy Spirit and the Bible says it grieves the Holy Spirit now some people are ignorant of the Holy Spirit they think and do not study and they do not understand the full concepts of the Holy Spirit and sometimes they're intimidated by the Holy Spirit sometimes they just have an indifferent attitude about the Holy Spirit But I want to remind you, you cannot be rightfully related to God the Father and God the Son if you're not rightly related to God the Holy Spirit. That is so important for us to understand. Now, there's three rules that the Apostle Paul brings out before us here today of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Three rules of how He relates to us and what He desires in our life and in our heart. In the back of the bulletin there is a little outline and you might want to follow with me on that. And to kind of give you a full understanding of the impact of the working of the Holy Spirit. First of all, I want you to notice that as you go back to verse 30, just a few moments, that we must respect the feelings of the Holy Spirit. That we're to respect the feelings. He has feelings. He is a person, as you might certainly well understand. Listen what the Bible says there in verse 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve him. That word grieve means to cut to the quick. It literally means to... uh, It's the same word that, that as you will remember the story when the rich young ruler came before the Lord Jesus Christ and was talking about salvation. And it's when Jesus offered him salvation, the Bible says that the young rich ruler turned and went his way and he grieved. Over his decision. Grieve. And so, when I think about the person of the Holy Spirit, I've heard people refer to him as an it. You would not refer to yourself as an it. You would not refer to another individual as an it. You refer to them as a person. I want you to understand, God the Holy Spirit is just as much of a person as God the Father, God the Son. And therefore, we must understand that as the Bible reminds us in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 3, that you can lie to the Holy Spirit. That also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29, that you can literally insult the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 and verse 32, says that a lost man can even blaspheme. The Holy Spirit. I remember reading as Jesus was on his way to the cross. And as he was talking to his disciples. And as they were very much very upset knowing that this one that they had followed for three years was about to die. And Jesus said in Matthew, I mean, John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, and I will pray to the Father, and He will give you, listen to this, another comforter, another helper. And He says that, that He may abide with you forever. That word another is a very interesting word. In the Greek context, it it speaks of... It can speak of one of two different meanings when it speaks of another. Another of a different kind or another of the same kind. This particular another was referring to another of the same kind as I. This is what Jesus was saying to his disciples and saying to you and I today that as I leave and I ascend back into the heavens to sit upon the right hand of the Father, that I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but that I will send to you another one just like me, which is the Holy Spirit, and that He will comfort you, and He will guide you and direct you in the path of righteousness. But that word grieve, you think about it for a moment. You can only grieve somebody that loves you. You cannot grieve somebody that dislikes you. You cannot grieve somebody that really does not have a relationship with you. Uh, young people, you can make your uh, teacher mad, but you can grieve your mom and dad. Big difference. There's a big difference that, that we, that we grieve someone that loves us. That we can do something in such a fashion that would make them literally grieve. Have you ever thought about this? We have looked in the Bible and we've seen a lot of emphasis upon the love of God. The love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We've put a lot of emphasis as we studied the word of God that Jesus is love. That Jesus loved his life. That he laid his life down as a ransom for our sins. But choir, when was the last time you've heard somebody preach about the love of the Holy Spirit? You don't ever hear that too much, but yet at the same time, the Holy Spirit loves us as much as God the Father, God the Son. And therefore, we want to think about that amazing love and how that love can be grieved if we're not careful. So we as children of the Lord need to be aware of that grievance. If you're a Christian this morning, you're a Christian only because of the love of the Holy Spirit. He came to you personally. He came and He knocked upon your heart's door. And as He knocked upon your heart's door, He made you realize of your sinfulness, but He made you realize the love and the cleansing and the wonderful redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you can only grieve the Holy Spirit. And there's three different ways that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's look at them for a few moments. First of all, I believe you can, con- you can grieve the Holy Spirit by an uncontrolled tongue. Oh, how our tongue gets us in trouble, does it not? It's amazing what that little thing behind the fortress of our teeth do sometimes. James talks about it being a small member, but it's like a rudder. It can steer a ship. It's like a spark that can bring a blazing fire. The tongue can grieve the Holy Spirit. A lying tongue especially. You're never more like the devil than when you lie. The Bible talks about that there's no truth that's within him whatsoever. He is a liar. He is a thief. And so when you lie, my friend, you are acting and demonstrating the characteristics of Satan himself. But when you tell the truth, you're never more like the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about integrity today that seemingly that we've lost. I remember when my dad was, when I was growing up, my dad would build houses. Now, you would never dream of thinking about something like this today. But he would build houses on a handshake and a word that between two different individuals was not a contract. But they had their word. And their word meant something. But seemingly today, that our word don't seem to be all that meaningful anymore. A lying tongue. I'm reminded of what the Scripture teaches us in John chapter 6 verse 13. He says, I send to you the Spirit of truth The Holy Spirit of God has a desire, a wanting to express truth in your life and to establish truth through your life. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. We need to be like the little boy. Back during the slavery days. There was a guy that was coming around and he was looking at all the slaves that was on the slave box. And he looked at the little boy and he said, told the little boy, he said, son, if I purchase you, will you always tell the truth? Little boy looked at that man. and He said, sir, I'm going to tell the truth whether you purchase me or not. My friend, that's the way it should be. That we live a life. That people believe what we say and say what we believe. A loose tongue grieves the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says back in verse 29 of chapter 4. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification. That word edification literally means to build up. It's amazing of how our tongue is like a wrecking ball tearing lives down instead of like a crane building them up and establishing a good rapport upon mankind. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand a loose tongue, a lewd tongue. It's amazing to me of how I have heard many Christians who claim to know Christ, love the Lord, can tell some of the dirtiest jokes. I've heard men say before, well, I've got a joke to tell you, but I can't tell it in front of the children, so let's go outside and we'll tell it in front of God. We as Christians need to be careful what we talk about. We as Christians need to be careful because, friend, I want you to understand, an uncontrolled tongue will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. A tongue that brings gossip into the lives of individuals. But then secondly, not only a lying tongue, but an uncontrolled temper grieves the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in verse 26 and verse 27 of chapter 4. It says, be angry and do not sin. Now, how do you do that? How do you be angry and do not sin? Well, you do not, you're not angry at the individual. You're angry at the situation and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath nor give place to the devil. I believe with all my heart that one of the greatest problems today in many lives is, is how many Christians have never allowed the Holy Spirit to control their anger. A lot of people are like, like a, a loaded shotgun and they're with a hair trigger and all you have to do is touch them and they go off on you. It's amazing to me of how we allow our temper to get the best of us sometimes. And that temper will begin to boil and steam. And next thing you know, you're saying and doing things that you would never imagine. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And the one who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. Slow to anger did you realize anger is one letter away from danger danger you're in a dangerous area when you let your temper get the best of it. well i think about road rage people that uh, you don't even know that by Not necessarily meaning to, but you pull over in front of somebody or you do something on the road and they'll pull a gun out and shoot you. Anger. My friend, I want you to understand that will certainly grieve the Holy Spirit. I heard about a story one time I read many, many years ago. And it was about a young 13-year-old. She'd lived a very sheltered life. Very naive. But she had listened to an old wise tale that if you kissed a boy, you'd get pregnant. She kissed a boy. And all of a sudden... All this thoughts started running through her mind. She told her best friend that she was pregnant because she'd kissed this boy. Now we kind of think that's silly, but it wasn't silly to her. Her best friend went out and told others. And oh, how it had this brought disgrace upon the life of this little girl she was pregnant. She was so afraid that her mom and dad was going to find out that she was pregnant. That she took a bottle of pills and took her own life. When they found her in her bedroom, had on a piece of paper of her suicide note, and then at the conclusion of it said, they said. They did an autopsy on that little girl. Not only she was not pregnant, but she was even a virgin. But because of what others said, It brought death into her life. Oh my friend, don't you understand? Uncontrolled tongue, uncontrolled temper, but also an uncontrolled thought. Look what the Bible says in chapter 4 verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible tells me that I have the mind of Christ. The Bible reminds me that when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon me, that I am to have the thoughts of the, of Christ. Why is it then? There's times that I do not have the thoughts of Christ. They may be lustful thoughts. Maybe thoughts of evil. Thoughts that I would never dream of ever bringing And participating in. But those thoughts are in my mind. Maybe because of what I've been watching. Maybe because of what I've been reading. Maybe because of what I've been listening to. And those thoughts have been embedded into my mind. The Bible tells me that that can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, how do I think the thoughts of Christ? Let's say, for instance, I have a glass that's up here. And that glass is filled with air. How do I get that air out of that glass? I fill it up with a substance of water. And as I fill that substance up with water, all that air begins to dissipate. My friend... That's why it's so important that we study the Word of God. That's why it's so important to meditate upon the Word of God. That's why it's so important to listen to the Word of God. That our mind might be filled. So that we do not have the capacity of allowing something that is, that is evil and that is filthy to fill our minds. So, number one. We must respect the feeling of the Holy Spirit. But number two, the Bible reminds us also that we must receive the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 gives us a command. It's not a suggestion, but it's a command that you are to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I want to remind you of something. That when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive all of the Holy Spirit of God as much as I have received it. It's not a matter of me receiving more of the Holy Spirit and a matter that you're receiving more of the Holy Spirit. It's a matter that the Holy Spirit has more of you. I'm reminded of the story of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody, famous evangelist. He was being used all over the country. And there was a particular group of pastors had come together. And these pastors were contemplating on uh, starting and establishing a crusade within that city. And they wanted to bring D.L. Moody in there. And all of the pastors had agreed to bring D.L. Moody. But there was one pastor that disagreed and said, no, I do not want D.L. Moody. I want somebody else. And they kept bringing up D.L. Moody's, D.L. Moody's name. Finally this, out of frustration, this pastor that did not want Moody said, Moody, Moody, Moody. Why you'd think that he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. One wise old pastor stood up. He said, oh no. Moody don't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Moody. And my friend, I want you to understand, that's exactly what Paul was talking about is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if I'm going to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, my friend, I want you to understand that I must be consciously filled. I must understand when I'm filled and when I'm not filled. You say, well, how can you tell? Oh, my friend, you'll be able to tell. First of all, you'll be producing fruit. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all that fruit that he reminds us in the book of Galatians, that that fruit will begin to be established and displayed within your life. You'll have love for your neighbor like you've never thought. You'll have peace that passes all understanding. You'll have joy that's beyond comparison. My friend, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to produce, but not only produce, but you'll be able to perform the works of God. God calls some of you to be teachers. Some God calls you. some of you to do this or to do that or whatever He may call you. But my friend, I want to remind you, He will never call you to do something without, first of all, giving you the ability to do it. That's why Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. That's what Paul was talking about is that I am to be consciously filled, that I am to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. But not only to be consciously filled, but to be conspicuously filled. A man ought to be able to look at you and say, there goes a man of God. Somebody ought to be able to say, there is a woman of God. It is so evident that God is all over that person, conspicuously. My friend, I want you to understand, as you go back into the book of Acts, and you remember after the Holy Spirit of God came upon those disciples, they were accused of being drunk. They said, there's something different about these people. And simply because that the Spirit of God was in control of their life, and it was conspicuously known unto them as well as to those that was around them. But then also, you're to be continually filled. I think it's interesting, you go back and look at the context where it speaks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is saying... In the context of that particular Greek, particular sentence, that you're not only to be filled, but you're to be continued to be filled. It is not a once and for all situation. It's not something that I get filled with the Spirit of God today, and then later on, I do not. My friend, it's to be a continuous filling. It's in the present tense a continuous feeling of the Holy Spirit of God. But then, let's go a step further. We've talked about, we must receive the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about, of course, of how that you must receive the respect, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. But then thirdly, you must release the freedom of the Spirit. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, makes an unusual statement. It doesn't say anything about being grieving the Holy Spirit, but it says something else that you can quench the Holy Spirit. Now what's the difference? What's the difference between grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. You quench the Holy Spirit by when you refuse to let Him do what He wants to do in your life. You grieve the Holy Spirit when you do something against the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, the Bible reminds us as believers that we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. I find it interesting. In the NIV version, it says this, do not Put out the Spirit's fire. In other words, the Bible symbolically refers to the Holy Spirit as a fire. And it's like taking cold water and putting out the fire. Many churches have a special committee called the Cold Water Committee. And any time God begins to do something great and mighty, the cold water committee comes and throws water on the fire. You think about it. People start getting saved. People began to move in the church. People began to see lives being restored. And the next thing you know, you're going past 12 o'clock. People said, well, wait a minute. I'm missing my line there at the cafeteria. And the next thing you know, what you're doing, you're beginning to quench the Holy Spirit. I might just give a little bit of housekeeping rules here. I'll tell you something else that a lot of people don't realize. The Holy Spirit is so sensitive... That anything can sometimes quench him. Sometimes on Sunday morning, during while I'm preaching, these doors are revolving like a a revolving door. People are going to the bathroom or going somewhere. My daddy used to tell me before I go to church if you need to go to the bathroom, you need to go to the bathroom before church. Now, I know emergency takes place. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But just getting up and walking out. My friend, did you realize that the Holy Spirit could be working in somebody's heart and life at that very moment? And next thing you know, you have distracted the Holy Spirit from working in their life. You're quenching them. So therefore, my friend, that's why we have breaks between Sunday school and, and worship service. Go to the bathroom if you need to go. Take care of business. I remember when I was a little boy, my daddy, uh, I, got in, I got where I wanted to go to the bathroom in the middle of the church service. Preacher was boring, and I thought, well, this would be a good time for time out. And so I, I wanted to go to the bathroom. My daddy got a hold of me one morning, and he says, I'm going to tell you something, son. We're going to the bathroom before church service. Don't you get up during church. One Sunday morning, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. But I wouldn't have got up if for the... The world depended upon it because I knew my daddy was, meant what he said. How did I get off on that? I don't know. <laughs> I was starting to chase a rabbit there for a moment. I'm sorry. What quenches the Holy Spirit? Number one, Doubt. Doubt. I'm convinced when the Holy Spirit of God wants to do something great and mighty in the life of an individual, that this demon of doubt raises his ugly head every single time. Have you ever noticed that? God calls you to do something great. Or God calls the church to do something great and mighty and to be unexplained. Then that demon of doubt rises to the occasion and it quenches the Holy Spirit. I remember when Jesus, as He was uh, went from the different villages of Galilee, did miracle after miracle after miracle. But then He came to His hometown, Nazareth. In Matthew chapter 13 verse 58 says, He did not do any mighty works because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. I believe God puts challenges before us sometimes. Now you may think this is not a big thing, but I think it is. I I don't think it's by coincidence that we've got... A major roof problem. And that we're having to pay out almost $100,000. Where is that money going to come? Oh, the demon of doubt could certainly run rampant. But I want you to understand this. This is God's church. And God's going to take care of His church. But I want you to understand this. He uses you and I to do that. To fulfill that purpose. But oh, that demon of doubt. He will come and he will quench the Holy Spirit. Division quenches the Holy Spirit. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is unity. One thing that I I long for and I desire and I do everything in my power is that we keep unity in the body of this church. Oh, how the devil would love for us to get off on some type of thing and to divide us. And it's amazing to me that most churches are not divided off the Word of God. They're not divided off of winning people to the Lord. They're divided off of silly stuff. Things that don't matter. What color are we going to paint the walls? Whether we're going to put the organ over here or put the piano over here or what color of carpet that we're going to... Next thing you know, people are taking sides and they're divided. And next thing you know... You're in a congregation that people will walk out of their way, keep from speaking to one another. It's amazing to me how Christians can harbor grudges the way that they do sometimes. Something happens and, and they harbor that grudge and that grudge begins to fester into bitterness. And my friend, I want to remind you what has happened. You're quenching in the Holy Spirit. So it matters my relationship between me and my fellow brother and my relationship between me and my Lord. My friend, you pray for unity because I believe with all my heart that Satan had rather to start a church fight than to sell a 50 barrels of whiskey any day because he will do more damage. D.L. Moody said, My entire ministry I have never yet known the Spirit of God work where people were divided. Where people were divided. Billy Sunday said this, The worst thing that ever crawled out of the pit of hell is a church fight. I can say amen to that. I remember one time when I was a little boy. We were having homecoming one Sunday morning. And I don't know what the problem was, but I remember they were two deacons and the pastor got into a major argument outside the church. And I could hear them hollering and screaming at one another. And as a little boy... I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that something was wrong. And it grieved my spirit as a little boy. My friend, it should grieve you. There's churches all over this land that are, that cannot function because they are divided. Oh God, please put a protecting hand upon us that we might be united. Carrying out the banner of Christ. Protect us. Protect us. Because nothing can quench the Spirit of God anymore. I've walked in churches and I was thinking I was walking into a funeral home. Cold, dead, dry. And you wonder why the Spirit of God is not there. Then you began to discover what's been going on in that church. the wonder the Spirit has left. I'm so afraid that many churches today, they come and they worship every Sunday or they attempt to, and God has written across their church, Ichabod, the Spirit of God has departed from this place. Oh. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And division will certainly bring about the quenching. But also disobedience will bring about quenching the Holy Spirit. My life, my friend, matters. My life is not an island. Your life is not an island. You come into this church with sin in your life, my friend, I want you to understand, it affects the Spirit of God working in this church. That's why it's so important that we today are come as cleanse vessels. The Bible reminds us in Psalms 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. My friend, our problem is we don't want to go where God orders us to go sometimes. Have you ever thought about this? Sometimes God, Holy Spirit tells us that we need to be studying the Scriptures more, and instead of studying the Scriptures, we're reading the paper more. Sometimes the Holy Spirit tells us and ordering us to be more faithful in our private prayer life. And instead of being faithful in our private prayer life, we become more unfaithful. Think about it being ordered by the Lord. But then last of all, disregard quenches the Spirit. As I said to you earlier, Holy Spirit is like a fire. You can do one of two things with the fire. You can throw water on it or you can throw gasoline on it. It's up to you. I want to throw gasoline on that fire. I want the Holy Spirit of God to blaze in the midst of His people. How does that happen? I believe there's four ingredients that brings about the fires of the Holy Spirit. Praise. 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, verse 16 says, Rejoice in the Lord always praising Him. That's why I want our, our worship to be a time of praise and worship. I want my life to be a time of worship and praise. Prayer. That's why we have been thinking and talking and, and praying about this thing called the battle plan of how we can be more diligent in our prayer life. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Thanksgiving and everything give thanks. Preaching. That we preach the undulterated Word of God. Preach the the Word as the infallible, inerrant Word of God. And I believe with all my heart, when a church decides to be a part... Of these four major ingredients, I believe what you're doing. You're tossing gasoline on the fire. On the fire. A dead church, anybody can be a part of that. A live church is a church that where people want to be where the Spirit of God is working. And will do everything in His power to protect the harmony and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Heard about this guy one time. He went to one of these nuclear power plants. And he asked the individual, he said, go and show me where this power comes from. How do you produce this power? He said, we don't produce any power. He said, oh, sure you do. No, we don't. Well, I know you do. So the guy shows me. He said, well, come here and let me show you something. And he shows him this generator. And he said, see that generator? Inside that generator is uranium. We don't produce it. We just release it. My friend, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the life of our church. We don't produce the Holy Spirit, but we're to release Him in our life. My friend, how's your relationship with the Holy Spirit today? Have you come to that point in place in life that you realize the importance of the Holy Spirit being your best friend? And how he wants to use you for the glory of God. Bow with me if you would please. Every head bowed and every eye shut. I wondered that there might be someone here today. So you know, I've been thinking what it might be like to become a Christian. Not by coincidence. Not by happenstance. But that you're here today. And the Holy Spirit has brought you here. So that you would come to know Him. In a very special, intimate way. I ask you today, would you be willing to release the Holy Spirit in your life? Change you to control you? How about it, believer? Are you living a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you fulfill the command of what God has said, that be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, why not? Today is the day. Are you doing everything in your power to certainly not to grieve Him, not to quench Him, As the Spirit of God leads you, would you be obedient to Him? Maybe some needs to come and just gather around an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, I come to submit my life to You and to Your authority. Let it be, dear Lord. Maybe you're here today and maybe God's led you to be a part of the fellowship of this church. Maybe the Lord has led you, the Holy Spirit has led you to come and to to be a part of Kinsville Baptist Church, to unite. Would you be willing to be obedient to him today? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us and blessing us. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for using us for your glory. In Jesus we pray. Amen.